Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. Hello, this is Jamie and Jerry from Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education. And, you know, in order to get the work done that you need to get done, we have to step back a little bit, right? I was just talking to a colleague and he said, I finally set my calendar so that things are blocked and I'm not opening things up. I said, good for you, uh, because he was kind of working around the clock. Um, But I just feel like the more we do things like that, the more stress builds and the less that we get done. So it's like this vicious cycle and we kind of harm ourselves when we're trying to help others. So I don't know, I think it's about prioritizing, but we have a great guest to help us help ourselves. Oh yes, today our guest is Lisa. And oh my goodness, first of all, I have to tell you one thing about her. So I met her at, big surprise, iPad Palooza, right? We hear about this every week, Lisa, because um, iPad Palooza was amazing. And it was in her school district at the time. Yes, it was right on her campus where she works. It was so exciting to go there, but she had a little side hustle going on. And this lady's so productive that she does all of her work brilliantly, and then has a side hustle. The side hustle was creating these earrings. So these are actually like little headphones. Yes, amazing. And uh, the ones I had that I adored were little USB ports. And so I have worn them out because I would wear them to everything all the time. So I I certainly enjoyed um, getting to know Lisa on two levels, one creatively and one productively and learning about the things that she does. I also have to say, um, a couple years ago, I was in a real slump and I had purchased her book and I was like at that space where I couldn't get anything done. And she, I love the way she lets you be creative and get things done because that speaks to me. So she had in there this bingo board where you would put all the tasks of your weekend on this bingo board and you could, you know, make it really cute and everything. So I thought, I'm going to do it. I had more fun doing my tasks on the bingo board. It made me want to do them. So then I showed it to my daughter. Now she does it and she shares it with her kids at school and they love the bingo board because it gives you some voice and choice and everything we're talking about. This woman's brilliant. She is absolutely brilliant. So welcome, author of two books. Do you have your books with you? I do. (laughs) Which is the one with the bingo? Uh, Creatively Productive is the one with the bingo. And then actually Cultivating Communication in the Classroom. Um, And and I'll talk about both of them, but um, I do want you to see this because it's I think it's pretty creative as well. Um, each chapter has these, which are communication catchers, which are basically like the, the cootie catchers, fortune tellers um, that you fold, which is what you see on the front. And so they're tangible and they have activities and questions to be used with students in each one of them. So um, 
it doesn't get enough credit. It's a really cool idea. (laughs) I know it really hooks kids in. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Aesthetic and building, still building skills in communicating at the same time. Love it. Right up my alley. Love it. Oh, me too. So it's so exciting to have Lisa Johnson on with us today and to talk to us about not only productivity, but social emotional learning. And I suspect that productivity is a huge part of social emotional learning. So Lisa, tell us, take it away, girlfriend. <laughs> okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of backstory um, and context to the books, and then I can kind of get into, you know, talking about those and you can just, we'll go from there, I guess. Uh, so <laughs> I have two boys. Um And one of them we found out was on the spectrum. And later on, I found out actually that I actually last year during, um, you know, what we call snowpocalypse and COVID and and all of the other things that happened last year, um, I had found out I'd had ADD. And then I also found out later on um, that I actually have ASD level one, which is um, basically what Asperger's used to be. um, But they, they diagnose things differently on the spectrum. Anyway, I say all of this because what I was finding in my own life and in my child's life and in working with students was there was such a need for social emotional learning and such a need for executive functioning skills. And they weren't really being taught um, because, you know, think about it, like within the past, what, 10 years, the iPad came out in what, uh, 2011? 10? 10. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> so, I mean, what, 11 years ago, and, and then everything kind of swiftly moved almost exclusively digital, but we didn't really teach kids how to transition from, okay, you've got your, you know, folder and you put your homework on this side and you put, you know, what you need to do on this side or study for on this side. We didn't talk to them about, you know, color coding because in elementary, you, you color code the folders, like English is always, you know, green or, you know, and we just, we, we inherently build these routines into students' lives. And what was starting to happen was because everything moved so quickly from analog and yes, we had digital, but it really went, you know, full swing into digital that a lot of those skills just weren't catching up. We weren't teaching them and they were really, really helpful and then you also, you, know, you can look at this in the media, um, I don't have the statistics for it, but you are having more and more students get diagnosed with a variety of things, whether it be dyslexia or ADD or a learning disability or whatever it is. Um, and I don't think it's that it's more prevalent. I think people understand it better. And I think people are better apt to diagnose it now than they were, you know, many years ago. And so all of that combined kind of led me to start writing the two books that I was writing because it was everything I was already doing for students and already doing to support teachers because I was finding that there was such a need for it. And, and it wasn't, it just wasn't being readily, you know, taught. So the first book, I'll just show you, um, was all about communication skills. And, and really that does fit into social emotional learning because there's a lot of like relationship skills and things like that. And when, and when I say communication, I don't just mean 
oral skills and, you know, written skills, because I think that's what was initially focused on. I mean, there's so many other things that are communication. You know, there's nonverbal skills, there's, you know, visual communication and all of those things. And then you have this explosion of emojis and, and all of these other things that are really great for dual coding for kids who need to see an image alongside of a text or, you know, if you have language learners and things like that. So the first book really focused on, you know, talking about email etiquette and talking about, because these kids didn't grow up with email. It wasn't something that they were used to being able to navigate. And so there's lots of, you know, college and career ready examples and things like that for that um, collaboration and more so setting norms and navigating, like, how do you do that? How do you set norms? How do you, you know, navigate if somebody in your group is not doing what they need to be doing? Um, the second, the third one, the third chapter in that book is visual literacy and presentation skills, because that is another form of communication. And it was one that, <laughs> needed a lot of help. Um, and so I, you know, I did a lot of research on TED Talks and, and, you know, presentation skills and all of these things and kind of gave that to our students. And then chapter four deals with projects and publishing. And chapter five deals with resumes and online portfolios, and then really what that looks like and how you're communicating what you're putting online. And then finally, um, the last two chapters deal with social media and curation because those are ways that we communicate, you know, and, and all of those things. And so it takes kind of the duality of all of that through communication skills and, you know, social emotional learning, college and career readiness skills. So that's, that's essentially this in a nutshell. And then. And Lisa, can I interject something here? Please. Your book is so important because as teachers, we didn't grow up with this either. So we didn't have that baseline and that skill set, but yet we needed to teach that to students. And so your book is so critical in helping, I bet you teach teachers as much as you teach students, because we all need to learn these skills. And, and you're absolutely right. Like both of my books have a duality of you know, this is something we need to be modeling for students as well. And this is something that, you know, like I didn't grow up in it. I grew up in AOL chat rooms with pagers, like a well, pager wasn't in the AOL chat room, but you get the general idea. You know, we, we handwritten letters and, and all of that sort of stuff. I didn't, I didn't grow up in what we call kind of the microwave culture of things happening so quickly and immediately and, and permanently in many ways. And, and so that's, that's really what this book focuses on is all of those communication skills, uh, you know, that, that are more than just, you know, we're doing a speech, we're, you know, writing a paper, all of those things are important, but communication skills have kind of expanded. And, and actually in the back, um, I'll show you before we kind of talk about some of the other tips and goals and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm a note taker, so I also take notes in my own <laughs> in my own books. So I'll make notes of like, oh, I want to add that the next time or whatever. But there's an SEL index in each in this particular book, and so for example, it talks about self awareness um, and self management, and then it tells you all of the different activities that will meet that particular SEL goal, and then those That's are the terrific. first terrific. And then in the back, same thing. Um, it talks about social awareness and relationship skills and responsible decision-making 
And then it talks about all of the different activities and where you can find them that support that. So I felt really strongly that that was something that I was passionate about and I felt like I had enough of a skill set that I could support that and and really wanted to support that and and it was interesting just because I didn't realize at the time how much of that is so helpful for students who are on the spectrum and and so helpful for students um, that have special needs. I, I, did, I mean, it's obviously for everybody, but it's, but it's necessary. You know, it's kind of the whole universal design for learning. You know, it's, it's, it's helpful for, you know, it's necessary. Let me go back. <laughs> it's necessary for these students, but it's really helpful and beneficial for everybody. Right. right. Um, and, and so that was kind of how that happened. No, it's just, it's perfect because you're teaching teachers but at the same time, teaching them how to show their students so that they can be productive and they can be self-aware and they can be organized because, and I, I love the progression of the book too, because it really speaks to, it sounds like it's speaking to their organization and their skills so that in turn, they are nourishing themselves at the same time. So, uh, you know. So I have a question for you. Yeah, when, when you put the when you published the books, what was your role in the school district? Yeah, so so both of them were published when I was uh, an educational technologist in, it, basically I supported a one-to-one -one iPad high school. We have almost 3000 students. And so much of what the book was, was not only the research you know that I was doing outside that I was also bringing back to my teachers, but a lot of it's a lot of lessons that I taught to students. So in that ed tech role, I wasn't just, you know, sharing out resources and doing blog posts. Yes, I do that. Um, but a lot of times I was doing mini lessons uh, with students and I was called to do that quite a bit where our career in technology and our humanities group, because that's kind of where my um, sort of passions and interests lie and also just my expertise. And so, yeah, a lot of it, it was stuff that I was teaching in the classroom already, um, or, you know, I had prepared and, and I'd been doing a lot with resumes and portfolios for our high school students because there, there was a need to really teach them how to do that. And they do have to build a resume for not only jobs, but also a lot of their college applications. Um, you know, same thing with portfolios, you have AP portfolios and, and yes, there might be different, but you know, you're still talking about all of those sort of things. Um, same thing, you know, with social media and curation. We had curation projects in our art history and they were fascinating. And so I, I have included, you know, it, it's kind of funny because it almost feels like I go through and read them every once in a while just to like make notes and, oh, is there anything else I want to share? Is there anything I would add to this now? And it, it kind of feels like, it's a huge snapshot of, of literally like my brain and everything I did in that time frame. Um, you know, all of the lessons, all of the teachers that I interacted with, all of those people, you know, that shared things, um, as well as all the research I was reading and, and anything else that kind of, you know, continued on through that process. So yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. Uh, what an asset to your high school to have someone that they could call on to come in and do those mini lessons that had done the research. Wow. So I think that's important too, because, you know, you said that you, they kind of 
realized the need. So you filled in doing these mini lessons. I think a lot of schools now have courses for college, I mean, for high school freshmen to do these things, but you, they, your school recognized um, your expertise in this and you felt the expertise, but do you feel like you built up an expertise perhaps because of what you were lacking? Uh, you went through most of your life undiagnosed. Uh, so do you think you struggled and therefore had to compensate, overcompensate? I, I look at that now and that's probably the case. Um, I didn't realize it before because I, I, somebody had asked me, she's like, well, you know, everybody has a, uh, you know, people on the spectrum typically have kind of a, a special interest or um, something that they're, you know, just, it, they dive very deep into. Uh, typically, boys and men um, have the same interests throughout their life. Uh, women, typically on the spectrum, it will it'll kind of change and ebb and flow. But for me, yeah, it was it was always kind of I've always loved to write. I've always loved to do research. I've always loved to be creative and and you know do scrapbooks and things like that. So it all just kind of coincided. And I asked my mom too. I said have I always been like this organized and very like type A? And she's, she said, yeah, you have. And I think a lot of that was, you know, we, we adapt to our environments and it was the adaptations I needed to not be anxious and, and that I needed to have control over what I needed to have control over. And I don't know how much you know about, you know, autism and the spectrum and all of that, but a lot of, you know, kids, adults, all of those things, they, they don't feel because of all the sensory things and other things, they don't feel like they have much control. And so they do want to have control over certain things and, you know, whether it be executive functioning or, or whatever that is. And, and really it's, it's just something that can be taught. It's not, you know, I, I think it's so sad to say, oh, well, because they're on the spectrum, they're not going to be good at this. Or because they're on the spectrum, you know, executive functioning skills are going to be weak. That's not necessarily true at all. Um, you know, I've, I've seen it with my own son. You know, once I started teaching him certain things and once we started building routines and he would give me feedback and say, okay, well, I don't like it to do it this way. I want to do it this way. He's good to go. So it's, it's, it's just a learning process. But yeah, as I look back at both of the books um, and and this one as well. So the, the first one deals a lot more with visual literacy um, and communication skills and things like that um, in the broader sense. And I think, you know, visual literacy, I talk a lot about dual coding things and I talk a lot about kind of simplifying things and making them easier for everybody to digest. And it's not about dumbing things down. It's about, you know, it, it really is about universal design for learning and, and you know, reducing barriers and, and things like that. And so it, it absolutely, as I read back through that, I was like, oh yeah. And actually, as I even look back at journals and other things like that, I was like, for sure. I don't know how someone didn't catch this, but I, I have built a lot of those skills. And I also think, I mean, I could not share about this. You know, I know that some people don't feel comfortable talking about their diagnosis and, and things of like that. I don't do, I, I do it because I feel like for so long, I didn't know. And it was, it was a shame and I was dealing with things and I always felt like I wasn't doing things the right way or why are things harder for me than other people? And I didn't, I didn't understand those things. And I don't, I don't want other people to go through that. 
And I've also navigated so long and I found so many different things that work. And, and I know you were talking about this too, Jerry, about, and I'll, I'll mention more about creatively productive in a second, but for example, that, that bingo board, um, that's actually by Lala Lauren creates on um, Instagram. There's, I had to do a ton of permissions and citations for the book, but I don't think there's a one size fits all approach to any of these skills and, and neither of my books are one size fits all. It's kind of like, here are all of the things, you know, your students, you need to kind of explore and figure out what works for them. And many times give them multiple options, not 15 options, because they're going to have decision fatigue, but like two or three and say, look at these, which one do you think you want to try? Which one, you know, might be better for you. And if it's not, you're not a failure. It just means that one didn't work for you. Try a different one. And, and that's really kind of how I've, I've <laughs> gotten through life um, and, and how I try to model that as well. Right. And what a role model you are for students that maybe have a struggle. It, it's great to know that you had the struggle and now you're an author of two books. That's just amazing, Lisa. You know, I also feel like, um, and I know Jerry has your first book, but, you know, these are books for teachers. But I mean, how many of your ideas are teachers taking on for themselves? It really seems like it's not just for them to teach their students, but also to leverage for themselves as well, for sure. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all multifaceted. And I, I say it very much in, in this book as well, the Creatively Productive. Um, I talk a lot about how there's a duality here and really everything that I'm sharing with you can be used personally, professionally, and with your students. And you know, I, I talk about like calculus just because <laughs> it's horrible at calculus. And I don't, I'm sorry if you love calculus all as well with the world. It's nothing against calculus. It's just not my thing. And I've never had to use it um, again <laughs> since I took it in high school. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things. Like if you were writing a book for teachers about teaching calculus, then yes, that would obviously make sense, you know, that you're going to be doing that and focusing on those things. Would it necessarily be transferable to their personal and professional life? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm talking about executive functioning skills. Like in this book specifically, um, the six chapters are digital organization. And then I start talking about um, time management skills, which are huge. And then I talk about note-taking skills. And then I get into goal setting and habit tracking and all of that. And then I get into reflection, but it's not just reflection, it's both personal reflection and professional reflection. Cause again, I work a lot with our career and technology students. So I didn't just want it to be like journaling for the sake of journaling, although journaling is wonderful and there's a lot of research to back that. And then the last um, chapter deals with readers notebooks and really like what we do to retain and digest and absorb what we read. And so, yes, obviously all of those things need to be taught to our students, but you know, they're, they're not always inherent in what we're doing. And you know, there are things that we can explore. And, and I honestly, I, every time I've talked to students and, and done these sort of things, I always share, hey, I do this, I've loved this idea. And I think our students really want to know that, you know, we're, we're adults, we're people too, we make mistakes, we, you know, have our own issues and things like that. And, you know, we're trying to navigate this new 
world as well. I mean, I didn't grow up with Google Calendar. I didn't grow up with email, not really. Um, and, and so we're all just trying to, and certainly not phones the way that we did. I mean, I had a cordless phone that I, you know, like had to wrap around just so I could get some privacy in my room. Um, you know, I, we just, we didn't grow up with these things and that's okay, but we do need to start modeling these things. We do need to start having conversations and, and trying different things. I also talk a lot about procrastination. Um, in, in this book as well. Tell um, me more. Tell me more. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to actually. Um, so I am a I'm a master procrastinator. Um, and what I was realizing, you know, I, I went through a lot of research on procrastination and reading through all of these sort of things. And that is a very big executive functioning thing. But what I was learning too was people procrastinate for different reasons. Um, sometimes we procrastinate because we don't have the materials, you know, and we're just like, oh, I don't have materials. I just can't do this right now. Sometimes we procrastinate because, um, you know, of the environment that we're in, you know, or we just don't have enough energy for that. So maybe one simple thing to do is like, hey, you know what, this is a really hard task. I don't want to do it. But if I go to Starbucks and do it, I might, you know, I have my drink. I'm a little bit more energy. It's a different environment. And so really understanding like, why am I procrastinating and getting into, you know, am I procrastinating because it's too hard? Okay, well, if it's too hard, who are the people that can help me with that? Is, is there something that I can do? Um, and then kind of looking at those sort of things for procrastination. Um, other things are, you know, like you were talking about time blocking um, earlier. I don't know if <laughs> it was before the recording or after, but the idea of blocking off time on your calendar that's very specific and said, I'm going to work on this and be very proactive in your time management and, and even get, and, and students should do this too. It's not just like, I'm going to study, study for an hour this evening. It might need to be, I'm going to study my math for an hour after dinner from 6 to 7 PM in my room or in the library and be very specific about those things because it's a lot easier once you have all those specifics sort of built out that you're not going to procrastinate as much. Um, do I still procrastinate? Sure. Uh, <laughs> it, it does happen. Another one I mentioned in, in the book, which I think is fantastic, is um, fudge factor. And it's, it's not mine as every time I mention it, people want fudge. Um, I have no fudge <laughs> for anybody. I'm sorry. Uh, fudge is fantastic. But um, the idea of a fudge factor is, and, and again, it gets into the executive functioning and really knowing yourself, but we make decisions based on how long we think things will take us. And many times we're not always accurate in those ideas. So one way you could even do this with students is, okay, you're working on a research paper. How long do you think it's going to take you to do the research? You write that down. And then you actually time yourself. How long does it actually take me? You know, it's the same thing with chores. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't want to vacuum. It's going to take me an hour. Like, no, it takes me 15 minutes to vacuum. Like it doesn't even take that long. But because I have this idea, it's going to take an hour. I procrastinate and don't want to do it. So having, having better idea of how, your estimations of things you know, do I underestimate? Do I overestimate? Can I be more accurate in estimating things? You know, if a kid thinks it's going to take three hours to do research, they're probably not going to want to do that. And it's the same thing too, like setting aside 20 minutes. 
can I do this for 20 minutes? Can I research for 20 minutes? Yeah, I can probably do that. Once you get into it, you can absolutely do it for longer because you've already kind of engaged in that. Same thing for me, like in the morning, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do anything. And then I start getting into stuff and I was like, oh, I don't want to stop. Like, you know, yeah. lunch, what are you talking about? Like, this is great. And so it's just all of those sort of things that I think are really helpful to teach our students and to share with our students now before they leave us um, as parents, but also before they leave the K through 12 sort of institution. Yeah, you know, it's funny you said that because my family always says I suffer from TDD, time deficit dis disorder, because I am always either over or under. I kind of do both, um, but mostly underestimate. And, um, you know, and I, I, I appreciate the fact that we're doing this podcast for teachers to help their students, but okay, fine with the kids. This is really helpful for me too. <laughs> Um, so I think, but you have to, and I think the most important chapter that you mentioned probably is the reflection chapter, because you cannot identify any of these. You're just going to continue in this vicious cycle unless you actually sit down and figure out what these blocks are or, um, you know, what, what you can't, why you can't get something done or, uh, you're running out of time or whatever. I mean, it really kind of starts with that. So I think that's that's super important, spending that time. And you have tools for that reflection as well? Yeah, I have tools for that as well. And actually, so, so in chapter five, I talk about personal and professional reflection. And it talks a lot about, you know, places you can find really great prompts for personal reflection. Um, and then also places that you can find really great prompts for professional reflection. Uh, one of them, I want to say it came from Harvard. Um, I'm going back to look at it right now. And then I wanted to mention something to you, but um, it's like cooking, you know, when you're like, oh, let me just open this other part of the um, <laughs> oven and it's already done for us. How wonderful is that? Oh yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay, so it's either Harvard or Stanford, I can't remember, but um, it's called Design Your Life. And it's, it's fantastic. I've actually did a course or I sat through their session um, at South By and then they actually do a course for freshmen at uh, whatever university it was. I don't wanna Google it right now, but I'm sure y'all can find it. Um, and the idea, it's, it's a simple little thing like this, but it's just like, these are your three pathways. Okay, this is the pathway you're on now. This is the pathway, you know, that could be an alternate pathway. And then this is the pathway if money and, you know, what your family thought about you didn't matter. And then what they talk about is, is actually really, really cool. Um, and I can't find it now. Oh, here it is. Um, and then they have four gauges, which is, you know, your resources, your likability, your confidence, and your coherence. And so it's like, okay, looking at this plan, do I like it? Do I have the resources for it? Does it really like jive with who I am as a person? And, and really just looking at that. And so I, I brought in, my big thing is, I don't think, yes, I, obviously we have teacher shortages and obviously, you know, we want amazing teachers and we want to continue to have teachers in the profession. That being said, we're teaching a lot of kids that aren't all going to become teachers. And so we have to teach them a variety of college and career readiness skills that anybody in any profession is going to benefit and be successful with. And that's really what all of these are. Um, in the back, actually, of both of the books, I um, interviewed 20 different professionals 
in a variety of different careers from you know hairdresser to Rashawn Richards who um, does explain everything to um, people at Brain Pop to um, architects to just all different types of people and I asked them you know how important is you know email etiquette how important is you know um, time management and what does that look like in your field and so I have all of that information as well and I think that's really important I know a lot of kids who, you know, do get to college and if they don't have those skills or even get into a job uh, and don't have those skills and they, they do struggle and, and what great, you know, thing that we can do to bless students by giving them these sort of resources and to engage them with that. So they at least have something to tap into when we're not around anymore. Um, I think that's really important. One of the most important things that we do, I taught sixth grade for many, many years and middle school totality of 13 years. And I always thought if kids were organized, that was the whole problem. It wasn't that they lacked the intelligence to do anything. It was the organization that really brought them down. And I think that's true in careers as well, not having that organization. I think it's one of the best things we can do for our students is to give them these skills so that they will be successful. Absolutely. No, I, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was seeing too, is just talking to people you know, in careers and, and, and all over, you know, sometimes they learned on the job. Um, sometimes they were provided with these skills, but not always. And so coming in with these, you know, it just, it gives you a leg up on navigating, you know, whatever other new information you're already having to navigate and, and deal with. And, and I, I think organization looks different for everybody. Um, you know, you want to color code something, you want to alphabetize something, you know, you want to have something on the left side or the right side, or if you have like a sheet of paper in your pocket that always has everything on it. And, that, and that's kind of why when I talk about, you know, all these different tools, I talk about analog tools, I talk about digital tools, and I say there's not a one size fits all for everybody. You have to kind of figure out what works best for you. Me having ADD, digital tools do not work well for me. Um, I just find that to be an extra distraction. So I'm I'm very much an analog planner girl. Although I do still use Google, you know, Google Calendar and all of those in tandem, just for like quick reminders and things like that. But um, I like being able to see everything and not be on my computer and, and kind of have that um, available to me. Yeah, well, and that's a great segue into the next thing I wanted to ask you. So what are some of the basic things that keep you productive? What do you have? What tools do you use that really keep you productive? Okay, well, um, 100%, and, and I get no kickbacks um, <laughs> from sharing this, but um, this is my passion planner. And I, I've used this now for five years, I think. Um, I went back to using a planner again, and I just, it happened to be the one that I used, and I, I just absolutely love it. it. It's helpful for kind of looking out at your week. It's helpful for making notes. It's helpful. Some of the things that I've, I talk about this in chapter two as well. So like, yes, you start with a planner, and then, and again, it doesn't have to be a digital, you know, it doesn't have to be analog, it could be digital or whatever, but you have to start with something where you can kind of, you know, look forward, look out, all of those things. And then the other thing that I think is really important is looking at macro tasks and micro tasks and being able to chunk tasks. And in and, 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 and two different ways, I think it's really helpful. So I'll talk about the first way. The first way would be kind of batching tasks. 
So I don't like making phone calls and I certainly don't like making appointments. That is just really annoying to me and I don't love doing it. And if I had to break up my day with like, I'm gonna work on this and now I'm gonna make a phone call and I'm gonna work on this and I'm gonna make a phone call. If I have the ability to you know, make some of those decisions, then what I would do is, okay, during this hour, I'm gonna make all my phone calls and appointments. And then during the next three hours, I'm just gonna work on lesson plans or, or whatever it is. And again, not everybody has that flexibility in their day, but they do have some sort of flexibility. And they also just have to be mindful of which tasks, like I'm going to run all of my errands together. Like it wouldn't make sense to, you know, okay, I'm going to go run to HEB and then I'm going to come home. Well, maybe you do if you had to put cold clothes, you know, HEB is our grocery store, but, um, and, you know, come back home or I'm going to go do this and then come back home. And I'm going to do, no, you would typically like run all of your errands and then come back home unless, again, you need to get the milk, you know, cold or something like that. So, so that's one of those things. The other thing for me that's been really helpful, and I think this gets back to the fudge factor sort of thing is, so for example, writing a book. Writing a book should not be one goal <laughs> um, because like, where do you even start? So for me, like I would get writer's block or I would procrastinate because it's like, oh, right, even writing a chapter. I was like, but it's not just really that it's okay. Well, there's many different smaller pieces and this is great to teach kids too. It's like, you're chunking your tasks. So if I'm writing a research paper, for example, sure. Maybe I obviously, obviously have to write the paper. Okay. That would be like the main thing. But if I'm just like, I can't write the paper today. Are there other things that I can do? Sure. I can work on the research. I can work on the grammar and editing of what I've already, you know, maybe I can go watch a TED talk about this particular topic that will add to this. Um, you know, maybe I can share my paper with somebody and have them review and edit. Like there, there are always other subtasks to doing those things. So for example, like I'm working on a course um, on instructional design that will be released later this year and an online course. And I could just write like build online course, <laughs> but we all know that like build online course is not one thing, you know, it's okay. Well, I need to edit these. I need to double check the graphics. I need to record this video. I need to update this slide deck. I need to, you know, check my citations and permissions. And so really taking a task and breaking it down into manageable chunks is, is huge, not only for us as adults, um, but obviously, you know, like that, that's something that I've, I've had to kind of help my own child with because he can get overwhelmed and stressed out. You know, it's like, oh, I've got to do all this. And I was like, no, you don't have to do all that. We just need to do slides one through three. Or we I just live need by to do chunking. Slides three through five. Yes. Exactly. And so, and so modeling that for kids and teaching them. And sometimes it's like, well, okay, there's five things to do. Which one do I want to do first? And sometimes you do have choice. Like they're not all dependent on each other. And so you can say, okay, well really want to do this right now. I know I'm going to have to do it eventually. Like it's not, not going to get done. And so just those, those sort of things I think are really helpful. I think for adults as well as really everybody, I think everybody's kind of learning these things in this world that we live in right now. Oh, I do too. I always feel like people judge me if I'm, because I've always been in tech. If I have an analog planner, they're like, you have an analog planner. What's wrong with you? Do you feel like people judge you on that? I just don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. who cares? Who cares? Yes. I used to, I used to, because they were like, 
you're using a planner or I don't know if you can see behind me. Um, these are all journals. And then there's like another row down um, further. That's also journals. And, and that's where I take all of my notes. And so I went exclusively to start, you know, when I was in professional development to start doing analog notes and things like that. And I just, I just, I'm, I'm 40 ish now, I'm 42, I think you start losing count of as you doing that. And I, I just, I've decided I just don't care anymore. I have to choose what's right for me and what works best for me. And, and, and just advocate like you for those things. For students, you provide a variety of different tools for students and they learn how to use each one and they pick and stick with what's best for them. It could be something I, I use a mixture of both uh, because, you know, when I'm on the go and I, I need to have the digital, but, and I know that, you know, for work, I have to use my digital calendar, obviously, but um, when I need to, just like you said, map things out and see things, see trends with uh, certain things in the calendar, I sometimes will just have, you know, either I don't have a planner, but they're coming back. I mean, they, you see them all over and they're beautiful, they're gorgeous, right? So they are coming back. Uh, but sometimes if I need to do just one task for a project, I'll just print out a blank calendar so that I can like literally fill it in and see the trends and so forth. So I do that for certain projects. Um, there's something about the pen on the paper. There is just something absolutely. about it. Yep. Yes. Yep. Those, you know, that's what a tactile learner likes to do, you know, like they, they need to, to have that anyway. So, I mean, my gosh, Lisa, there have been so many amazing tips. And like I said, these are tips for teachers to teach their students, but no, no, not really. They're also for us as adults, as teachers, even to take on, take these on for ourselves. And the more that we're using them, the better, as you mentioned, we can model for our students um, and then even in your case, too, uh, for your own family as well. So I have a college sophomore and a high school senior, and I'm getting your book so that I can help myself to help them as well. So um, thank you so much for all of these amazing, amazing uh, tips and, and resources. So I'm looking forward to digging in. I will also say Lisa shares so much online as well. And Honestly, if I'm in a slump, I go and find you online because you pull me out of it. You really do. You don't know how many times you've done that for me. Um, but I just love that the things that you share and you're so giving. Where can we, where can our listeners follow you? Sure. Um, so first of all, thank you. Cause I, I really do try to there's been so many people online and in other places that I feel like do that for me. And I just feel like that's the person I need to be for other people as well. Um, and, and so I, I really, I'm getting like, miss, I was like, I, I really do appreciate that. Um, so my website is www.tech-chef-number-4-letter-u.com. And there are links to my books on Amazon. There are additional resources, there are blog posts, there's all kinds of different things on there. It's kind of my hub. And then, um, like you said, I, like you said, Jerry, I actually spend a lot of time on Instagram, uh, more so now than Facebook or Twitter. Um, on Facebook and Twitter and um, Pinterest, I am Tech Chef For You, which is the same as my website. And then on Instagram, because 
I think Tech Chef for You was taken, and it wasn't taken by me, um, <laughs> that I use Note Chef for You. So it's N-O-T-E and then Chef, um, C-H-E-F, number four, letter U. And the reason I actually chose that was early on, I was sharing kind of my analog process and, and notes and journaling and all of that sort of stuff. And so it just kind of made sense because Instagram is such a visual um, platform to share those sort of things. And I connected with a lot of people. In fact, that's how this book got written because so many examples um, came from, you know, professionals and educators and, you know, people all over the world um, that, you know, are benefiting and using these mental health tools and executive functioning, you know, tools and things like that. So um, yeah, that's, that's where I am. And then uh, both of these books, both Creatively Productive and uh, Cultivating Communication in the Classroom are both available on Amazon. And I think both of them have like a, a look inside feature. So if you wanted to look and, and see what, you know, kind of they have. And I have both of them and they are so amazing. There is so much in them. And I have gone back to them, just keep going back to them. So even after I left education, I still use them. This so. is great too, because I do, I have a uh, workshop that I do for teachers on um, classroom management, but it's not just behavior. It's about, I, I do a lot of time on uh, organization and time management. So um, I'm going to check out your stuff and link up to yours and share your ideas too. And um, I also have an online study skills course that I do as well. So I can include some of this as well. So, uh, so amazing. And we offer for people listening to our podcast, every three podcasts, we have a choice board and our choice boards are divided up by the themes that have emerged from our podcast. And one of the themes, of course, is SEL. So you will be included in that choice board and we'll include our Apple, Spotify and YouTube link, but also the link to your Amazon um, access to your books as well on Amazon so that people can um, get those too. So it'll be easy access from our choice boards. Don't forget everybody about those choice boards. Um, and so that way we'll have them linked as well. So that way, you know, listen to three, send it all into a Google form and you'll get CEU credit. So wow. it's an easy thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? That's actually really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it is really cool. Yes. I need to Lisa, include that in my newsletter. <laughs> before, before you go, I have to know, what are you doing right now? Are you still in a school or... I'm going to, I'm going to make that as short as possible as I can just on our, our time frame. But, um, I suffered, I had a lot of medical issues last year and burnout and getting my ASD, which all led to getting my ASD diagnosis. Um, so I basically took a year off. I really wanted to go part-time, but it just, it wasn't, it wasn't available. And so I decided to take a year off. Um, but I'm not really taking a year off in the sense of that. Like an online course, no. you've finished yes. the book. Yeah. I'm yeah. working on an online course, which is, um, instructional design. A lot of what we're talking about right now, it's just held and it's with fried technology. Um, so it's looking at, you know, what can we do as teachers to make things more accessible to students and not necessarily accessibility tools, but how can we design what we're doing, um, you know, to support executive functioning skills and scaffolding and all of those sort of things. So that's that course. And then um, I've actually started outlining my third book, which 
will be more, and this kind of goes back to this past year, uh, creatively productive probably will be the title again, maybe, I don't know, but it'll be more of like at home, the at home edition. So if you follow me on Instagram, like I, my house is very creatively productive and organized and all of that sort of stuff, um, as is our, our finances now and, you know, meals and all of those sort of things, um, chores and, and just all of the things that you would normally do at, at home that everybody can benefit from. So I'm, I'm working on kind of putting all that together. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take me, <laughs> but I'll go back to my chapter on procrastination um, <laughs> if, if, I need some, if I need some help. There you uh, go. What contributions you have given to us? Uh, you have really contributed to educators, students, everyone. Uh, we're so appreciative of the work you've done. And you have done such great research too. Uh, it's it's just fascinating. It's not that you just told a story. You have so, it's so deep. I just love it. So you went out, it's curated and backed by research. And yeah, I mean, we all need support. And that's kind of like what it's all about, right? Love it. Love it. I'm so excited to get these. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything. And we're so excited to share this. And then don't forget on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, we do a clubhouse conversation. So I'm hoping you can join us for that. And we'll continue this conversation. And if you have questions for Lisa, instead of just listening in the podcast, now you can interact. So we'll send you an invite, Lisa, and add it on. Absolutely. No, I'd love to do that. I'm assuming that's 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that yes. would be 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. <laughs> or East, yeah, Central. Yes, yes, exactly. All right. Well, Very well, good. Thank you so well, much, Thank you, Lisa. Jamie. Thank you, Jerry, for having me. You bet. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.